welcome to Trek Film Society, the show on Talk Film Society, where we take a look at Star Trek with a more critical eye. I'm Mike, and today, as always, I am joined by Marcelo. How's it going, Marcelo? It's going great, Mike. Uh, great to talk to you again. And Diego. How's it going, Diego? All things considered, pretty good. I'm happy to be back. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess we should note that we're recording this on April 7th, 2020. It's day 22 of quarantine for me. No, 21. What oh about God. you guys? Yeah, it's, 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 well, for me, I don't know if I've said this before on this show, but I still have to go out and go to work Yeah, throughout this whole thing. So, uh, other than that, like I'm staying in as much as possible and trying to keep sane. Um, but yeah, I'm doing well as I can be. Uh, Diego, what about you? Uh, well, I lost my job almost immediately, but thankfully, uh, my, my grandfather was kind enough to be like, Hey, I can barely take care of myself anyways. Why don't you come caretake for me? And so I'm like, okay, it's basically part-time gig for me now, and uh, I will be financially okay, which is something I was very worried about the last time we were recording. So I'm, I'm doing better, but uh, you know, holding on, still, still going strong. Uh, lots of emergency wine, which is good. <laughs> yeah. I, I just had a drink before recording, so yeah, that's th- that's how my Tuesdays usually are now. You know, a drink. Well, <laughs> um, you know, one, one thing I was thinking about before we started recording is that last year when we did the Michael Bay podcast, Bayhem, you know, now Simpler I'm talking to society. Uh, the, the one thing we were worried about is when that movie is going to be released. <laughs> that's the one thing. This is one through line of the entire series. Now for this series... <laughs> It's just for us being alive. That's what we're worried about. <laughs> will there <Yeah>. be movies? <laughs> yeah. Will there be when, movies? Will, when will the next movie be released? <laughs> yeah. Any movie. Just any movie. <laughs> so, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. You guys have seen this movie. I know, Marcelo, you saw it like... <laughs> Like a week ago, for the first time. No, you know. no, wait, oh, okay. no. <laughs> should I should I interject and, and just explain my situation here? Yeah. Listen, yeah. okay. Mike has been uh, hammering me about this fact that. No. no, no, no <laughs> let, let, let me let me just specify here, okay? It's not like I'm like, what is wrong with you? It's my reaction has always been, you haven't seen Star Trek three. I find that to be amazing. Don't. You know? <laughs> no. See. Okay. I may, I'm pretty sure I've said this before. I've seen it before. Yes. I've only seen it that one time. That's like, good. let's say seven years ago. <laughs> okay. I, <laughs> but think, I, think, I think it was less than that. But yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But, uh, but, but the thing is, you're always pestering me about this, Mike. You're saying Star Trek 2 is my favorite. Why not, you know, watch Star Trek 3 more often? I mean, you're, you're no, no, your no, head. no, 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 no. It was always Star Trek Two is your favorite. You never bothered to watch Star Trek Three, and it wasn't me saying, "Oh my God, you should totally watch Star Trek Three. It was always me saying, "I admire you for not caring about Star Trek." Okay, <laughs> that's one way of putting it. Yes. Okay. And well. and with with that being said, you're right. <laughs> Because I'm just going. I'm going to give Aww. my quick. Going to give my quick reaction of you know to this because I've only seen this movie once. Um, and yes, Star Trek Two is my favorite. 
if by any chance you're jumping in listeners to Star Trek 3 this episode and haven't listened to the other episodes <laughs> for whatever reason you're a big uh, uh, Leonard Nimoy fan of just and just the films he's directed um, <clears throat> I forgot a lot of a lot of what happens in this movie yeah yeah and I'm like oh yeah yeah it, this movie is good don't get me wrong but I am correct in my feeling in that Star Trek 2 is enough for me. <laughs> I am okay just stopping at Star Trek 2 and not worrying about how exactly Spock came back. It's a good movie. I liked it, you know, but I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. I, you know, it's really interesting because I had two interactions on Twitter recently, um, the first of which was with Diego and the second of which was with Star Trek fans. And uh, they both were basically the same conversation just from the flip side. And both times the person who I was interacting with was pissed off at me for saying what I said. <laughs> but I was right both times. <laughs> What what was the point of conversation? What was the topic? Well, when I was talking to um, Diego, it was really kind of the flip of what it normally is. But he was asking me why I did not give like a higher star rating to Alien 3 or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, Alien 3 really is the Star Trek 3 of the Alien franchise. And Diego didn't respond well to that, did you? <laughs> Diego, what did you say to that? <laughs> I actually don't remember exactly what I said, but no, Mike is not right. Mike is wrong. Uh, the assembly cut of Alien 3 is like a borderline masterpiece. See, the problem with Alien 3 Sorry. is that it could never be... <laughs> I did not mean to... <laughs> Alien 3 could never be a completed film because it would be the greatest film ever made. As it stands in its butchered format on the special edition release for the, the, the franchise box set, that's the best Alien sequel. Uh, Star um, Trek 3, look, we're living in a dark period in human history. We're living through some rough times, and I'm trying to find new ways to approach things. Like, even when we disagree or we're going at it on Twitter or whatever, like, we're obviously just being playful, right? Because we're all friends. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's it's fun to, like, get into arguments. Like, I think earlier today, I even called, like, Avengers Endgame, like, a death knell. And, like, I don't actually mean that, right? Like, it's just me poking fun at someone, um, someone, I, people I care about. And so I'm just trying to be nicer and calmer about the fiction that doesn't impact our actual livelihood. There's enough to worry about. There's enough negativity going around. Uh, so it brings me no pleasure to announce that Star Trek three is indeed one of the worst Star Trek movies. And it is not a poorly made film, but it is like the third worst written in the film franchise. <laughs> I'll I'll quickly say uh, I'm coming at this as like somebody who has only seen a lot of these movies once years ago uh, when I bought this box set like on sale um, <laughs> back back when there used to be uh, you know places where you can buy used uh, DVDs and Blu-rays um, so I'm coming at this like with fresh eyes a lot of these movies so far ranking the first three yeah this is not the best one out of the three so. For me, well, I'm, I'm eager to see what happens next. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, what what you're talking about, Diego, is interesting because I, well, my, my, the 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 flip the flip side, the the other uh, 
conversation that I had with with people was um, when I was watching Star Trek Three, and I I forget what I said. Oh, oh, I know what it was. Um, th- there was a, a a a person online on Twitter who said something like uh, Star Trek Three. Uh, you know, I, I really like it, but at the same time, it kind of ruined Star Trek Two, and. I forget exactly what he said, but it was it was it was rather profound. And um, I retweeted it and said something like, um, I see this as I'm wondering to myself, why am I rewatching Star Trek three at this very moment? And of course, you know, all the Star Trek fans come out and are like, because it's a masterpiece, because it's one of the best movies ever made, because it's the best Star Trek movie. And I say, well, it really is the Alien 3 of the Star Trek franchise. <laughs> and everyone's like, how dare you? How dare you? So I, I just find well, that to be funny. Just just so Diego's not left out cold here. I I agree that Alien 3, and I'll, I'll go to bat for Alien 3, either theatrical or assembly cut. That is a good movie. I, I wouldn't say exactly what Diego's saying, like it's close to being one of the best movies ever made. I think that's what he said. Right, Diego? <laughs> if I didn't say um, it, I meant that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you're not mixing my words up. <laughs> so I mean I'm I'm on I'm on board with, with Alien Three. I am. And I uh, I disagree with you, Mike, that this is the Alien Three of the franchise. Uh, oh, so th- so this is good. Sorry to interrupt, but like we're all coming fr- at it from different places then. This is this will be fun. Yeah. Kind of, I guess, because Mike and I think kind of agree. <laughs> <laughs> we just I, disagree I think, about Alien Three. <laughs> well, I'm I'm interested since this, since in the last two episodes we've talked about historical context. I'm I want to know, Mike. Yeah, tell me more about what Star Trek fans think of this because here's what I've always this may be like a very generalized way of looking at these movies, but I've always heard oh Star Trek fans like the even movies the most yeah. like two four whatever. And I've always, I, I never really thought this one had a big following, but there are people, obviously, you mentioned them that think this is a great movie. So I'd like to hear why that is. Yeah, the even odd thing is like, you know, historical. Like, I mean, people really, I mean, that, that's the thing which everybody knows, right? The even mm-hmm. Star Trek movies are good, the odd Star Trek movies are bad. But it's really weird because, at least among Star Trek fans, that's really kind of dropped off i think probably because everybody hates 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 number 10 and then people liked 11 and hated 12 and liked 13 you know so it kind of that they messed it up with with nemesis but um (laughs) occasionally you hear people talk about it still but it's really kind of gone away and i mean in in terms of like reality people do like this movie quite a bit it's um not considered to be one of the absolute best. I think, like, looking at the original six, right, it would probably be um, two, four, six, and then three, right? That That's sort of, like, the, the order that, that they fall in. But people really do love it. And I, I also loved it, you know, I, and, and still it's, part of me loves it. I think looking at it as its own thing, it works really well. I just think when you look at it in the larger context, which is something which I was not aware of until, I mean, fairly recently, you know, like in the past decade or so, 
um, that's when it kind of all falls apart. So, yeah. Um, but at the time, people loved it too. You know, I mean, I guess going back into the to the history of it, you know, Star Trek Two was a huge success, as we discussed earlier, and it was you know so successful, and and they knew what they were doing when they were doing it, um, to the point that Leonard Nimoy was like, well, maybe. Maybe I should come back, you know, and they threw in the little thing with his coffin and all that stuff. And when it came time to making number three, they were like, oh, yeah, we want him to come back for sure. And of course, they asked Nick Meyer if he wanted to do it. And Nick Meyer was like, no, I can't do that. Um, and then, the, you know, it basically came down to who was going to direct and who was going to be in it and everything. And Nimoy said, I'll come back, but... I really would like to direct, so I will come back if you let me direct it. And they were like, "Fine," you know, because <laughs> he hadn't really directed anything before. Oh, yeah, I was, I was, I was going to ask. He hasn't. He hadn't directed anything before this. He, I think he directed like an episode of T.J. Hooker. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> everyone's favorite. Yeah. Uh, hey, I mean, he's great, right? Uh, <laughs> Sorry. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll also mention here quickly. I mentioned this off mic before we started recording. There's one fact I completely forgot about while watching this movie, watching it again last night, and then I was reminded of it when I opened up the Wikipedia that I forgot Nimoy directed this. Actually, I was oh, like, okay. "Oh, okay, he did direct this." I, uh, yeah, I thought you were going to say you forgot that John Larroquette was in it, but no. That's Wait, cool. I forgot that too. <laughs> 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 He's in this. <laughs> Yeah, he's one of the Klingons. There was this oh. one time where in high school, my friends and I were going to do an Indiana Jones trilogy marathon, and we watched Raiders, and we watched Temple of Doom, and then we got into a debate about whether or not John Larroquette was in Star Trek Three. So instead of watching Last Crusade, we watched Star Trek Three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's in it. Yeah. Which which Klingon which Klingon does he play? Um, he he's uh. Oh God! Is he the guy who's like, uh, I do not deserve to live? Like, yeah, what, yeah. When, like, when I see him, I recognize him. But I'm guessing yeah. he's the only clown that has a bit because everybody else is just kind of like plain old bad guy. But he has a bit at the end, so yeah. that's no yeah. surprise. So, um, yeah, Nimoy, you know, directed it, and I mean, I think he did a good job i mean everybody thought he did a good job to the point that you know they asked him back for the next one but we'll get into that later on mm -hmm. but um the movie w was written by harv bennett himself uh bennett being the producer who they brought in for star trek 2 who sort of became you know the kathleen kennedy of the of the star trek franchise for for lack of a better analogy um, he was the guy and or the Alex Kurtzman as it is now, you know, or the JJ as it is now, you, you know, like that's that's his thing. And he wrote this himself and uh, Nimoy directed and the response was good. The response was good and it made a lot of money. And uh, yeah, you know, the rest is history, I guess. Leonard yeah, Nimoy yeah. is both innocent and culpable because his whole deal with like I'll I'll come back but I need to direct. He's a good director. He he, yeah. he was a good filmmaker, he was a good actor. 
and also a good musician. Look up uh, his, his little <laughs> uh, music yeah. career. Um, Bilbo Baggins and a good photographer. Photographer, like, I was going to mention that. You know? yeah. yeah, just a, co- a complete and total talent all around. Uh, this movie's insistent existence on needing to bring back Spock um, is is just kind of very disappointing. That's really like the – those are the steel boots kind of anchoring his very – good direction in this film because it's a well-made movie. I, yeah. I, I think it's really well-made. Yeah. I mean, one of the things which, you know, when, when I was watching it, it sort of became like a, a, a love fest of this movie on Twitter just because of all the, you know, the Star Trek fans. And I mean, the things that people would bring up is like this, you know, stealing the enterprise, you know, people are like, that's one of the best sequences in, you know, movie history or whatever. I mean, I think it's, I don't know about that, but it is really good. It's really fun, and it's certainly really well done and everything. Um, but, I mean, you bring up the, the Spock thing, which is absolutely correct. You know, I mean, if someone is going to die, like, have it mean something? You know, come on, please. But the thing that my friend Max brought up, which I never once considered, is that that's not the biggest problem. The biggest problem is the destruction of Genesis, because we think of Genesis now as this failed thing, right? But Star Trek II is like, we created a planet. Like, we did that through science. And now what this movie says is, well, really the only way that we were able to do it is by cheating, and when you cheat, you lose, and, you know humans should not be so arrogant as to think that we could have this power, you know, which is a problem. I mean, it it really is. My problem with this is, yeah, on that point, Mike, it, to me, it undoes a lot of themes of the second one, especially at the end when Kirk slyly says the inverse of what Spock said at the end of two, it's like the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And and Kirk just goes, oh, but the needs of the one outweigh the needs of the many, whatever. And now I just realized my comparison, this is not the Alien Theory of the franchise. For me, this is me just being, just going at it. To me, this is the rise of the, the rise of Skywalker of the Star Trek movies. You're absolutely yeah. correct. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it sets to <laughs> That's undo. That's in my notes. <laughs> yeah. It undoes a lot of the themes I love about Star Trek 2. And it just says, hey, let's just bring Spock back. Let's make... It's not that I don't love Kirk and that crew being like um, like rogues, like being like, uh, you know, you know, playing by their own rules. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we can all agree that that's kind of the shit, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it was cool to, 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 to see them just being like, it's just... It's just just, you know, kick people's asses and just, like, take take over this thing. To me, like, they don't... At the end of 2, it felt like he was there to stay. Kirk was there to stay. The crew was there to stay. And for them to immediately be kicked off and saying, no, you're done. I'm like, what's at the end of 2? And I'll... What now? And then also, the thing that really bothered me that I always remembered, that I had, my biggest problem with this movie, maybe, is how they treat Kirk's son... And how he's just cut off in the worst way possible. Yeah. I, they had the opportunity to build up that relationship. Even have them be on screen. even <laughs> have, the, have more emotional buildup. 
they've they've ruined that. So yeah, I have a lot of problems with this movie. Even though I, I'll admit it's fun to watch, but it, it's yeah. it, it's totally the rise of Skywalker. But it's even weirder because. Like Mike was bringing up, and like we all know, Wrath of Khan is notoriously one of the best received in the franchise. Like, if not the single best received in the franchise still. But that was like right out of the gate. Like, Last Jedi was well received by critics, but fans were like divided. And so that's why they kind of like, well, Last Jedi kind of happened, kind of maybe not so important. But they're undoing stuff that people liked in Wrath of Khan. So it's like even weirder. And that might make this worse, but this is a better directed film than Rise of Skywalker. So it's very, very conflicting. And when we brought it up last time we talked for Rathacon, but it is very conflicting, uh, this movie, because it's, I think it just has undeniable qualities of like what we can all recognize as like, that was a well-made sequence or well-made film, uh, except, you know, I'm, I'm praising it, but I also got to kind of drag it a little bit for, uh, the scene where Kirk Sun dies because that's like a genuinely bad sequence. Um, it's just really weird. And he he's dead, sir. And then killed my son, you Klingon bastards. And it's like, whoa! We're just like that was like three seconds of like emotional like gravity we were dealing with, and it's just it's cut so weird. Yeah. And it, I don't know. That's after, that's, a, that's that, a bad part of the movie. After that, it's back to business. Like a minute later. All right. Keep, keep going with the movie. No, no, well, see, he, I, I don't... He brings I, it up later. Does he bring yeah. it up later? It doesn't... Yeah, it, it, he's like, to goodbye, me, David. Oh, to me, no, that... To, oh, go ahead, Michael. I, I was going to say, I don't have a problem with that at all, I, to be honest. You know, I mean, she, she's like, David is dead because she's Vulcan, and, you know, well, she, that, she's... Well, that... I understand whatever. that. Yeah. But, then, but then, you know, he's like, you know, breaking up, you know, you Klingon bastard, you killed my son, right? And then, you know, the guy's like, yeah, I'm going to kill everybody else too if you don't do something. And he just, he, there's that, I mean, to me, this is like Shatner, like at his best, where like he turns his back to the camera or whatever. He takes a moment, like it's literally just like a beat. And he's like, okay, I'm pushing all of that to the side. The fact that my son just died, I'm pushing all of that to the side and I'm going to, you know, turn it on now and I'm going to be the best captain I can be and I'm going to kick these guys asses you know and and he does and and I think that that's like a like a great moment because it, and it's it's a very Kirk right like we've never seen him this vulnerable really and I, I don't know I, it's it says a lot about the character I think that that's actually really well done I, I like the idea of it the story around it is very weak I wish there was more stuff with him and his son and what you yeah. what, the scene you just mentioned with with Shatner's performance, I, I can agree that that's good. Like literally, just the way that's cut between um, David's death, the he's dead or David is dead, and then back to Kirk. It's it's a very weird like edit, and I think it needed just to breathe a little bit more. You know, like you know sometimes less is more, but I think that's something that should have been like exercised just a little bit more. You know, go a little bigger with it. Yeah, no. I don't I don't have a problem with Shatner's performance at all. I think he's great in this movie. But I I just wanted more of that with, th- with those two beforehand cuz I just saw this again for the first time in like years last night, right? So I I, I was paying attention, but remind me, was there any moment before the, his death, uh uh David's death where they just had a moment together where it was acknowledged that they were father and son. 
Not, I mean, the last time we saw them together was at the end of Star Trek Two. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then did they even mention that? Did he even go? Oh, Kirk's my father. Oh, oh Mike. Yeah, he he's right? like he's like here. I poured this drink for you and everything like that. And he's like going like all businessy, and then you know. It, David is like, oh, you know, I just want to say I'm I'm very proud, you know, to be your son or something. And that's like his acknowledgement that he knows that this is his dad. And, you know, so they do have that moment at the end of Star Trek 2. Yeah. Well, yeah. Moment. At the end. Yeah. At the end of Star Trek 2. But yeah. what I'm saying is. Oh, in this one? No, there's. Not. Yeah. No, not, a, not <laughs> at all. That that was my problem. Yeah. <laughs> because when I was watching this, my, my roommate walked in and sat down right when that happened and right before david got you know killed i go oh by the way that's kirk's son who's about to get killed <laughs> you don't know that he just walked in right in the middle <laughs> by the way um so yeah it's um i just needed more of that beforehand is what i'm saying because it, it just it, uh, uh, yeah anyway that's a big problem i have yeah, no, I mean, it, it. that's a problem with the movie. There's a lot of problems with this movie. I mean, the magical, like, <laughs> well, oh, I, uh, like which they just pull out of their ass the idea of, like, oh, yeah, Vulcans. I mean, they don't die. I mean, like, they never do this, like, ever again. They never talk about it before or anything like that. I was going to ask, just, like, I, I mean, I don't, I haven't seen all of the original Star Trek. I don't know how much of, of this is canon or how much of this they made up before, you know, for the movie. So, Mike, I mean, it's just they, they're just like, oh, by the way, yeah, I mean, Vulcans like, I can do this. <laughs> if, if I'm not mistaken, like there's one other instance in the in the series that came later on where they were like, oh, can't you do this thing or something like that? And they basically said, like, that's a that's a really weird thing. Like, that's one of those things where people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, you could totally do this. Like, they used to do this all the time back in the day, but, like, no one has ever done this for, like, thousands of years. So the idea that you could actually do this is kind of insane. Like, I think that's their retcon for it. Hmm. But, you know, I, I don't necessarily know that that works with some of the interaction with, you know, like, Sarek, Spock's dad, where he's like, how come you didn't bring him back home? What's what's wrong with you? And Kirk's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And he's like, you know, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's yeah, it's it it doesn't quite work, but you know, I, you know, I don't mind the fact that there's a baby Spock who grows into an adult Spock in the span of like <laughs> what like a day. Mm-hmm. It was weird enough for me to say that's fine. I'm okay, <laughs> it with happened that. in the fly too. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, well, there you go then. Yeah. yeah. The, the hit mm-hmm. film that everyone remembers and loves. Yeah. Yeah, th- th- that part's dumb. I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff. I mean, the thing that, you know, <laughs> I don't know how much of this is obvious. I certainly didn't pick up on it when I was watching this movie when I was 12 years old, but um did you guys pick up on the fact that um Savic did it with like 16 year old spock what what <laughs> what what Dang. yeah that, that what? whole scene where they're like touching hands and there's the pond far and everything what and they're like oh and then what? you know the, they're like touching fingers and what? stuff yeah there's what? there's a whole thing which is cut what? out of star trek 4 <laughs> hey, freaking out there's this no. whole thing that was cut out of star trek 4 where um <laughs> Sounds like Diego's being stabbed. Are you okay, Diego? No. Yeah. no. 
Yeah, 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 what? yeah. No, 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 no. In Star Trek Four, there's the whole thing, which not to jump ahead, but like Savik is like, I'm staying behind, and they're like, Okay, Savik, thanks for helping out. We'll see you later. Like. It, this is in like the novelization and stuff. And I think it, it was like a deleted scene where she's like, um, like, like Sav, like Spock's mom comes up to her or something like that. And is like, so did you tell him that you're pregnant with Spock's kid? And she's what? like, no. <laughs> what yeah. The hell? That was a thing. That was a thing. I mean, I, watching it now, you can kind of see that there, but yeah, I feel dizzy. Yeah. That's um I don't that's weird. I, I think I think I think movies need to take a break for a little while. <laughs> this no, is I good. think they are. So this, yeah. <laughs> this it just fate caught up with them. They were like, You pulled what? You pulled mm-hmm. what shit in Star Trek three? Right, mm-hmm. So Vulcans do it just by holding hands? No, 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 no. No, it's just an there, There's a very famous episode called A Muck Time, which you must have seen. It was like season two premiere. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm sure I've seen it. Yeah, it, where every seven years they do it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, that, that's me, me too. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Zing! <laughs> Because yeah, because because you're following uh, Vulcan rules, Diego. That's, exactly, yeah. that's why keeping the Vulcan that's, tradition alive. That's that's what you put on your dating profiles. Following uh-huh. the Vulcan rules. Yeah, <laughs> year seven, yeah, baby. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, they call it Ponfar, and uh, and since he was aging rapidly, he would go through Ponfar, and it's like. <laughs> I hate yeah. this. Mm-hmm. I didn't even hate this movie before. I, I I don't even hate it now, but this I specifically am very frustrated by. When did they and have the time to do that. it? Well, it was it was when they were touching fingers. Yeah, well, that that's what I was saying. It was a, it, it, they uh, touching fingers. That, that, that's that's their you know it's like their foreplay, right? Oh, okay, but yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> Don't make me blunt about this. Do they have sex like normal human I, beings? I think they do. Well, okay. like, like normal Vulcans, but yeah. Normal like Vulcans. Like, like normal human beings, Okay, yes. do Vulcans have human genitalia? <laughs> I think they have. A, I mean, we'll, we'll get into this, you know, later on, but you know... Um, <laughs> Tease it. <laughs> well, Klingons have two. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> because, and that's, that's canon. And, and, that, and that's one of those things where it's like, huh, because like... One of the things which they say in one of the Star Trek series somewhere is they're like, Klingons have two of every organ. The idea being that, like, if you get stabbed in the heart, you can keep on going because you got another heart, right? And it's like, well, that's a pretty badass thing to, to, you know, do to Klingons or whatever. But, of course, you got people sitting around for years thinking about two of every organ. And it's like, does that mean they have two dicks? (laughs) Um, I think that means they have two dicks. And apparently that's something that the writers of Discovery were sitting around thinking about too because they reference the idea of Klingons having two of every organ. But then there's a scene in the season one finale, directed by Akiva Goldsman, by the way, where um, a Klingon is in like a back alley, like a drunk Klingon is in a back alley and he's like peeing against a wall. And you see... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Two streams of <laughs> And that was my favorite moment in Star Trek history. So, yes. But Vulcans only have one, so, okay. as far as we know. Okay, so, good. Okay. <laughs> but they're they're in different places. Like, there's a, 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 an episode where, like, 
um, Spock gets stabbed like in the chest mm-hmm. and um, McCoy's like, well, you should be dead, but luckily you're a Vulcan. So your heart's where your liver should be or something like that. Anyway. Yeah. Like, they're aliens. They're weird. Okay. So the dick is somewhere else. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I think that, well, I don't know. They've never really gotten into it, but I would assume that their dicks are between their legs. I, I don't know if that's ever been established. It's not officially canon that no. that's not yet. Fact. Not yet. But give them a, give have, them a minute. Kling- yeah. <laughs> Klingons do have two dicks, and it seems that they're both between their legs. Can't wait for that Discovery episode where just the Vulcan drops a trowel, and you <laughs> see just a just a hanging dong right there. No, no, it won't. It won't. The the trowel is like their armpit or something. <laughs> well, I mean, the, not, no spoilers for Star Trek Six, but there is oh that my scene God. where he <laughs> kicks the dude in the knee. And then he's like, I'm lucky that thing had knees. And then Iman's like, that's not his knee. Oh, oh my God. You know, I was just going to make that joke. Kind of like what <laughs> I was going to say, oh, it's going to be on his knee. Oh, it, yeah, you know what? There you go. Uh, Star Trek writers, you're on top yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. You're on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Maybe they don't even get on top. <laughs> What were we talking about beforehand before we got to the... <laughs> why well, this movie I mean, was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but but hey, you know, I mean, Kirstie Alley is gone recasting Savick as, uh, you know, with Robin Curtis. What did you guys why, think about that? Why exactly did she not come back? Because I, I, I would say I I do like Kirstie Alley a lot in, in 2 um, mm-hmm. as Savick. And it's, it's, it's a shame that she's not back. Even though the actress who replaced her, she does a well enough job. I don't, I don't mind it. Yeah, um... I mean, what what happened in between was that she got the gig on Cheers, right? Oh, and, yeah. Okay. And, and the official line was, oh, she was busy shooting Cheers. But the real reason is because she asked for a shit ton of money, and they're like, yeah. Nah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Star Trek. We don't have Star Wars money, ma'am. <laughs> well, what's interesting is that, um, you know, Meyer came back for six, not to jump ahead. Um, but, you know, obviously he, I mean, he essentially discovered um, uh, Kirstie Alley, right? I mean, this was her first role in Star Trek Two, so he was originally. I mean, there's Kim Cattrall was was in it played Lieutenant Valeris in Star Trek Six, but uh, the original idea was to have that character be Savick, and he was going to bring back Kirstie Alley to play her. That that what year was six? Was that post Cheers? Ninety one. So it was. Whoa! Really? Wow! Yeah. 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 So, but yeah, no, I mean, I think it's fine uh, to have them recast it. Yeah, it's fine. So, any, any other thoughts on Star Trek 3? Well, we have to talk for the about time being. the bad guy played by oh, yes. Christopher Lloyd. Christopher yeah. Lloyd. Yeah. What did you guys think about him? He was a fun bad guy. I, I liked him a lot. I, I, I mean, I, I like when Lloyd goes crazy. I just recently rewatched. Who Framed Roger Rabbit for the first time in years, and I uh, he's insane in that movie. And yeah. what, what what year was that? Eighty seven? I don't know. Eighty eight. Eighty eight. And so I mean, Lloyd had a good run here. This is what eighty four, then yeah. eighty five with Back to the Future, eighty eight yeah. with Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, he's doing great stuff. I, I liked him in this. I like. Uh, uh, I like that you could definitely tell it was him behind the makeup, mm-hmm. <laughs> but still he was in. In that character, and I think he he played a formidable bad guy. Even though I think his um, 
the plot behind what he wanted was kind of weak, but I liked him as a bad guy. Yeah, and bringing back the Klingons, I think, was kind of cool, too. I mean, they were like the villain on the original series, and aside from that opening scene in the motion picture, I mean, this is the first time we see him in the movie, so... So it's kind of like insane to think about that these weren't the go-to like conflict in the motion picture. Yeah, yeah. I for a quick uh, Klingons. What is their deal again? I mean, they were supposed to be essentially the. Um, I mean, they they were the 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 proxies for you know like the Soviet Union, right? Yeah. So I mean, you're talking about like in 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 the actual continuity. I guess in, was yeah, the in in the continuity, I guess, I guess in the original series because it's been awesome I've seen those episodes with the Klingons in the original series. But I mean, they're just bad guys who are substitute for you know Soviets. That's basically yeah. what it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they the 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 idea is they're like a warrior race who take no prisoners kind of thing. Yeah. And they were they're at war, I guess, uh, with the the Federation, or it's a Cold War, you know, that sort of thing. And there was a war in the past, like between the two, um, which was you know very brutal or whatever. Um, and that's actually what season one of Discovery is all about. It's about yeah. the the Klingon Federation war, and um, yeah, I mean that that's that's it. They've always just sort of like been the big baddie. In in Star Trek, and I'm yeah. guessing I'm guessing it was a big deal for fans to have the to have them back as the main bad guy in a in a movie, right? I I think so. I think yeah. so. And the thing which you know, <laughs> uh, you know, you know how fandom is. Um, obviously, <laughs> Tell me, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in motion picture, they they changed the look of the Klingons. You know, in in uh. they gave them the foreheads, right? The ridged foreheads, which is what they're known for. In the original series, well, the first time you see them, they basically just have like fake goatees. Yeah, Second, I remember that. Yeah, right. Then later on, they quote unquote evolved them by basically giving them blackface. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah and now here they they changed him again by giving him some foreheads and of course the reason why they did that was because they had the money to do that you know and uh, is that was that a Roddenberry note like let's make them look more like aliens and give them foreheads and it, it uh, must have been right yeah and and that's the thing is you know you get all these people who are so concerned with canon who are like how dare they change the klingons and i mean that was a big deal with discovery because they changed the look of the klingons they made them look even more alien because now you have like you know the freaking guy who designed like the Cloverfield monster designing the Klingons, and he's got like a shit ton of money and resources, and he can make them look like really weird alien-looking things. And people are like, "That's not a Klingon. Klingons don't look like that." It's like, do you remember? No, you don't, because you weren't born yet. But you know, they've always changed them, and you know, canon, whatever. But you know, Roddenberry would be the first person to be like, "We can afford to do that, uh, and let's do that." You know, I mean, uh, whatever. It, it is what it is. And there's actually an episode of Enterprise, like in the last season of Enterprise, which is a prequel to to the original series where the last season they, they knew they were going to be canceled and they were just like, fuck it, let's just do whatever we want. And um, they had a whole arc where they explain finally, once and for all, why 
Klingons have foreheads in the movies and why they don't in the original series. Wow. Okay. Especially since, because like when they made Enterprise, which is a prequel, they gave them foreheads because it's fucking 2005 and why would you not give them foreheads, you know? <laughs> but they, they explained why they, they lost their foreheads and it's actually tied into Wrath of Khan. It's because, um, I mean, it's, it's actually kind of a, I mean, if you're going to do this sort of thing, it, it actually makes a whole lot of sense. The idea is that the genetic supermen who took over Earth, right, they were, you know, obviously like superior beings, right? I mean, they were like ultimate, you know, badasses. So the idea was, however many years later, um, the Klingons were like, we, we should do that. You know, because, I mean, we're already badasses, but then if we, like, you know, so they, like, injected themselves with, like, con DNA. No, but okay. by doing that, you're injecting yourself with human DNA, so your foreheads melt because you're, <laughs> to, so you become more human, right? More human looking because you're injecting yourself with human DNA. I'm not saying that it would hold up in terms of like some sort of scientific analysis, but you know, from a storytelling standpoint, you know, it's now there are worse I, ways I, to tie it around, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> now I love, I had no, I, I'm learning new things here, Mike. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I just love, I love the fact that enterprise and I'm, uh, what you're, did the final season come on like uh, 2005 2005 We're actually like like next month is like the 15th anniversary of when it ended yeah so in 2005 decades after the original series and like these the, the first it's instances of the clinics being in the movies the showrunners are like you know what let's solve this mystery <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's finally uh, appease the fans and tell them why klingon's foreheads are different let's do it let's let's do like a whole season arc let's go <laughs> That's basically what they did. That's like what the entire last season was. They were like, <laughs> um, let's let's do like a, a mirror universe thing, but then like let's go on like the original Enterprise and like have these people walking around and stuff. I mean, they went crazy, and and it actually was uh, really pretty good. Um, but you know, then it got canceled. So it is what it is. Yeah. Um, but there there was one other semi acknowledgement of of this issue on Deep Space Nine, which was a way <laughs> better show than Enterprise or anything like that. For the thirtieth anniversary, they did an episode called Trials and Tribulations, where essentially they go back in time to when the Tribble episode is going on 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 the original series, and they basically forced gump the people into <laughs> the original episode, which is great. I mean, watch it; it's amazing right yeah that was the but, first episode of deep space nine i ever saw it, it blew me away <laughs> it's it's awesome right i mean mm -hmm. it's really good but like Worf was on the show by that point you know and he's like a full klingon klingon and you know this episode the tribe trouble with tribbles has klingons on it and it's like klingons without even like they didn't even have the black face yet right i mean they're basically just with goatees and these klingons come in and Worf is sitting there with you know all of his shipmates and they're like oh look klingons and these guys are like klingons wait what, how? Why do they look like that? And Worf's like, we don't talk about it, you know. And that's really all you need. But uh, you know, whatever. 
Oh, canon. Canon. Oh, it's the best. See, your, your little spiel right there, Mike, in the middle of this one was like fucking... 16 year old Spock fucking like why do I even put up with Star Trek you brought me back around to like oh yeah I remember why I love Star Trek <laughs> yep yep so uh, so speaking of that I mean should we segue into our episode for the week well uh should we talk about oh. one more thing about the movie oh, yeah yeah no. yeah this shoot it <laughs> this, this is a little important thing um the one thing I completely forgot about, and I was like, oh, they did this, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. destruction of the Enterprise. Yes. Oh, we important. didn't even talk about that. <laughs> yeah, guys. That's like a good scene, too. Yeah. yeah. There's no reason why we didn't. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah, that segues us into the short, too. Because um, yeah. I was like, oh, God, I forgot that that happened. That they, Kirk was like, I got an idea to deal with this bullshit. Let's just fucking destroy the ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that we all love. <laughs> um,. I, I love that sequence. I, I do. And now I'm now I'm more eager to rewatch um part four because I and I now for, I'm not forgetting how because I'm <laughs> I'm sure it goes back. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. I'm sure mm-hmm. that happens eventually because they just killed the Enterprise. That's that's a big moment. They did. And you know, you think about things now, you think about like spoilers and everything, and obviously that's a huge moment which like sends the movie into the third act and everything like that, the destruction of the Enterprise. But yeah, you know, they had like I mean, this is like when they first got like super top secret in terms of like script pages and everything. They didn't want any of this stuff leaking out. And then, you know, the first trailer comes out and they're like, see the final voyage of the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> Boom. You know? And it's like, okay, I guess that's how you do it in 1984. You know? It's like, who cares? Just put that on Front Street. Um, I think it definitely works like thematically and everything, right? I mean, like he's willing to give up everything. He's willing to blow up the Enterprise in order to get Spock back. And I think that that's really cool. I mean, it says a lot about their friendship and everything like that. Um, and it is a really cool sequence for sure, right? Yeah. And I think there's almost this idea. The film definitely doesn't go all the way with it. Um, but the f- film almost has this idea where like, they're deconstructing their relationships with the series. You know, like Spock literally has to really like be reconstructed <laughs> throughout the entire mm-hmm. film and the, the, the enterprise going down, um, like in, literally in flames is, uh, I don't know. It's an interesting parallel that the film does not do enough with. Um, <laughs> but it's very well realized, I think, regardless of that. Agreed. Agreed. Okay, so so should are we forgetting anything else? Did any 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 other like? Uh, Honestly, we probably are, but <laughs> Star Trek Three is not great, um, mm-hmm. and it is no. We called it kind of the Rise of Skywalker. It, it doesn't like salt the Earth of Star Trek, so it's not no. quite there yet. But yeah, I, um, just, yeah. I mean, I just have rather, trouble with like the themes that it kind of erases from the last movie. That's my biggest problem with it. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it, you know, throughout. I love seeing this gang uh, every time they're together, this whole crew. I love it. Um, but and, and, oh, you know what? Bones, <clears throat> here's one more thing. And then <laughs> I'm done talking about this movie. Bones being Spock, those moments where he is like in, in that like Vulcan mode, I find that hilarious. So that yeah. stuff I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Him at the bar, kind of just going crazy, and people tell him to calm down and yeah, I, the more bones in these movies, the better. So, yeah, there you go. I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed this movie. I enjoyed it. 
Yeah, no, I mean, we were talking about, is it the Alien 3 of Star Trek? Is it whatever, Rise of Skywalker? You know what it is, really? It's the it's the Terminator 3 of Star Trek. <laughs> oh, no. oh, yeah, oh, no. that's a better one. <laughs> I don't even think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I, no. like, it, this is what I mean by that. It completely disregards and misses the point of the last movie, right? It has like a completely different message as the last movie. It undoes everything that the last movie did. And yet you look at it on its own terms and you're like, this is pretty badass. Like this is, this is a solid movie. I don't know. I don't know about that. No. Okay. Solid. Yes. Solid. Solid. Yes. Badass. Don't, don't, don't do, don't disrespect us like that. (laughs) All right. All right. This. Okay. To me, this is in a class of its own. Star Trek 3 is the Star Trek 3 of the Star Trek movies. <laughs> okay. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, say that's, that's the best way to yeah. put it. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, should we talk? take a look at the uh, Citizen Kane of uh, Star Trek short treks? I mean, not to... Spoilers for my opinion on... on yeah. Uh, um, Star Trek short treks season two, episode five, Ephraim and Dot. Now, okay... This is a thing. Okay, backstory, I guess, here, is um, basically these short tracks, the idea behind them is that obviously CBS All Access is like a subscription-based service, and obviously the only thing that anybody cares about on CBS All Access is Star Trek. So, well, aside from maybe like Twilight Zone, which and also that Good out. Wife spinoff. Oh yeah, the Good Fight. People love yeah. that. Yeah, but there's not that much crossover between Star Trek and the Good Fight. I don't think. <laughs> um, well, like my 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 old boss, she's like, I have CBS All Access. Hell yeah, Good Fight. You know, and I'm like, you watch Star Trek? She's like, fuck no. You know, so, <laughs> so um, you know, they're trying to find ways to get people to not. Uh, dump their subscriptions in between seasons of Star Trek. So they do things like, oh, we'll do these short treks where they're like little 10-minute episodes and we'll release them like once every three weeks so that you really can't unsubscribe if you want to see them. You're essentially paying a dollar a minute for new Trek, but, you know, that's the way Trekkies roll, so, you know, that's what we're going to do. So, you know, the first season they did, like, a few things which had kind of, like, backstory for season two of Discovery and for um, the second season, which came in between Discovery and Picard, they were like, well, let's, let's deal with a couple of characters who we introduced who people really loved, and we'll do a few episodes of those you know one was directed by mark pellington you know the the guy who did uh arlington heights and directed like a ton of music videos like jeremy for pearl jam and stuff like that um he did an episode he did two episodes they did like a little prelude to picard and then they did two animated episodes and one of them is like a telling of like a story which we hear about from like when the main character on discovery was like a little kid and that that's kind of cute but then the other one is Ephraim and Dot. And they brought in Michael Giacchino to direct it, which is pretty crazy, but whatever. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> and they tell this story about, and I guess here's the other thing. Here's how it ties into Discovery. Like um, Ephraim is a 
tardigrade who they, they play a large role in, in discovery season one where they're basically like massive tardigrades instead of microscopic things and they basically travel through what they call the mycelial network where they basically can like warp from place to place on their own like naturally right and that's their thing so they're out there they're just flying around doing their thing and um this is a story about one of them and about a robot on the Enterprise named Dot, which stands for something. It's like something, of, I don't know. But I don't know what it stands for. It doesn't matter. And, uh, yeah, what did you guys think about this? Diego? It's cute. Okay, okay. It's, true. <laughs> it's definitely true. I, 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 like, I like the cuteness of Ephraim. Ephraim, am I pronouncing that right? I, th- I think something like that. Ephraim. I do not know the, the reception to this episode, mm-hmm. but I'm going to guess it was overwhelmingly negative. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, I would say the reception was pretty much the same as yours, where it's like, it's cute. That's it. Okay, because I, I know some hardcore Trekkies are like, Star Trek is woke now? And it's like... <laughs> re- do you, do you like watch what you're watching? You know, but whatever. That's a whole other thing. I guess we can get into some at some other point down the line. That'll come I, I mean, up. I'm I mean, sure. So, like, so like you can you consider this to be like woke trek as they no, call no, it? No, 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 no. I, I just uh, I I know some of the the dumber fans. I'm just gonna say I'm just the dumber yeah, fans. That's fair. Some of the that's asshole fair. fans are like yeah. hate everything new. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that. And but. this I. I admire the cuteness. It's almost like kind of like a Tom and Jerry type thing. Oh yeah, definitely. That, that I, I, and I like that stuff. So I don't know. It it tickled a funny bone for me, um, and I'm glad I saw it. But I can see why people would be like, "Oh, this is this is weird." I mean, I'll, I'll get into the specific complaints that people have about him, but it's it's you know not valid. So yeah. so. <laughs> What, what what about you, Marcelo? What did you think about this? I love this short. Yes. <laughs> and I was at first... Because I'm sure, Mike, you, you brought up the fact that uh, good old Gio Chano directed it. But I forgot that fact. I forget a lot of things, apparently. Uh, I forgot that he directed until his name popped up. And then you go, oh, that's right. Because he had directed one other short. I think in 2018, yeah, I like wanted, another another animated thing or something. Yeah, which I wanted to see at a film festival and never got a chance. But I knew he had directed things, and I, I think he did a great job. I think it is supposed to be like a Tom and Jerry, like very Looney Tunes esque cartoon. And the fa- and I, it may have been you, Mike. It may have been somebody else on Twitter. But I have been reading stuff about this short treks thing, where somebody had put it like they. They love to see Star Trek in like a new frame, like a new point of view, like giving people, you know, uh, you know, the series and say, okay, do something unusual, do something special. And I love that Diachano just took this and was like, okay, I'm going to just do this little short, cute story and just have it connected to the entire canon of Star Trek. And you see it, you know, going from... Uh, the Khan episode in the original series, all the way to the Enterprise destruction in um, in, in Search for Spock, and then like every other little little quick little detour in between, I loved it. It was like a nice little 
tore through the history of Star Trek in a very cute way. So I I enjoyed it, and I think I almost got a little choked up by the end. It was mm-hmm. it was nice nice little emotional seven minutes short. Yeah, me too. I I love this episode so much. I think this is probably the best Star Trek anything since uh, 09. And um, yeah, I I, I want them to have their own series, Um, (laughs) to be honest. I I love that they are doing something so weird, something so outside of the box with this, that you can do Star Trek as like a Tom and Jerry cartoon. And yet, because of the rules that they set up, it's canon. Like, this is something that happened. And, uh, you know, you start getting into that, and you're like, well, then what does that mean? Because, like, some of the episodes are out of order. Does that mean that, you know, this one took place before The Trouble with Tribbles? And I I think it does, because, you know, even though... And there's no reason not to, you know, so, like, putting all those pieces together are are a lot of fun. Trying to think of it in, like, a way more abstract way, like, what, what is this? Like, how big were those eggs? You know, they had to be there for, you know, years, you know, everything... Like, I love trying to figure all that stuff out, and it basically does all work. Um, but I just think that it's, you know, adorable and, um, you know, heartwarming and, and all the rest of it. I, I absolutely love it. It's, it's like my favorite thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd re- want to see much more Star Trek stuff in the vein of this. Like, you're saying, like, a full series? Sign me the hell up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen, but... but no, I, but, but that's because people suck. But, but you know, you look at some of the stuff that they're doing, and it's like, okay, you know, you've got a, sh- a, a cartoon coming out from, you know, the showrunner of Rick and Morty, which is done in oh, the yeah. Rick and Morty style, and it's like, that's going to be canon. That's awesome, you know? Wait, really? Yeah. It's coming out later this year. It's called Lower Decks, and it's about... Um, well, it, it, it's they're on a, a California class starship, the USS Cerritos, um, which I, I, you know, I, I think that's hilarious that they're just like, okay, yeah, let's do that. I mean, they're going for it. This is the, for one thing, it's about like it's not about like the command people. It's about the, well, the people you know underneath them, and like they say, like they're not like bad at their jobs or anything. They're just not the best and this ship is not the best either like this ship's specialty is second contact which <laughs> is like after the enterprise makes first contact or whatever these guys come in and they say that they're basically like the yelp of space is how it's been described like they're the guys who go in and they're like so where are the good restaurants you know what you know like things like that and and that's like what they're doing with this like at one point they asked the creator like what are you know some of the the worst jobs that these people have to do like on a daily basis or whatever and they're like well uh the worst is probably um scraping carbon off of slightly harder carbon um but another like really uh bad one is uh, having to clean the holodeck which when you think about it it's pretty great you know i mean i don't know just the fact that they are doing this and it is canon it makes me so happy and you know there's a few other of these short treks which you guys should definitely check out there's one called the trouble with edward which um stars uh h john benjamin is that the guy's name whoa yeah 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 uh, and, uh, uh renowned comedy character actor yes yeah. and it's directed by one of the guys who did um who is america is that the name of the show the 
the, the Sasha Baron Cohen oh, show. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, something like that. The Showtime show, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I forget who wrote it. Um, but yeah, it, it, there's that uh, where it's it's a, it's a triple episode, and it stars um, um, oh god, what's her name uh, from uh, Battle Angel Alita, Alita Battle Angel. Oh, uh, Rosa um, Salazar. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. She yeah. plays she plays the captain of the ship. It's awesome. I mean, watch that and watch all the way through the credits because you watch it and you're like, okay, that was awesome, and then. The credits end and you're like, okay, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life, you know? <laughs> and and then there's another episode, well, uh, what's his name? Um, from The Office, guy from The Office. Uh, John Corral. No, no, um, the, the assistant to the assistant. Um, oh, uh, um, Dwight Schrute. Uh, Dwight, Rain Wilson. Uh, Rain Wilson. Yeah, Rain Wilson. Yeah, he on Discovery he plays Harry Mudd from the original series. Oh, and I remember about hearing that, yeah. about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and he he directed an episode where he plays himself. Where he, I'm sorry, he plays Harry Mudd, and you know he directs himself in the episode. That was pretty good. I mean, they do weird things like that, which are cool. I mean, there's another one which was written by Michael Shabon, starring Aldous Hodge, where he's like in the future and he's like stranded on this ship by himself, and it's like just. They're like watching like old, like musicals and stuff. It's it's weird. They do weird stuff in there, and and it's cool. And I, I don't know. There's a lot of people who are like, "What's going on? I don't. Why are they doing this?" And I'm like, "Why haven't they been doing this for the past fifty years? This is amazing." <sighs> so, but yeah, definitely check out the trouble with Edward. Just watch that one. It's great. So, I don't know. Whatever. I will. Yeah. No. I. I that's what I find interesting. Is that, you know, why don't, you know, these big franchises just just say, hey, here's the canon of great things we've done. Why not just do something special with them? I'm next, cause, I mean, Star Wars does this all the time with, like, Mandalorian and, like, their, you know, other series connected to the entire franchise. So why not Star Trek? Why not have these people come in and go, oh, just do our own thing? And that's one of the things which Kurtzman has said repeatedly, which I think is pretty cool. He's like, you know, we're going to have a billion shows on the air, but our goal is that they all have to be different. Like, you have to watch one and be like, you know, this isn't just like Star Trek Miami or whatever, you know, like it has to have. <laughs> oh, that, okay. Own, that would be kind of amazing. Though. <laughs> I, I would watch it. I would definitely watch it. But, you know, they all have to have their own distinct personalities. Yeah, yeah. So. Wait. Do, do, do the people in Star Trek do they solve murders? Is that one thing they do? <laughs> I mean, they can. They could. Yeah, they can. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the beauty of Star out. Trek, yeah, okay, yeah. The beauty of Star Trek is that like you can do anything with these stories. You know, Guys, it's not really constricted write, by anything. Let's write CSI Star Trek. Let's do that. I mean, you know, it's kind of surprising that they haven't done that yet. I mean, just to give you an idea, like some of the things in the pipeline, you know, the the next one, Section 31, which is, that's a thing which we'll get into further down the road, but it's basically like the, you know, covert spy, secret secret spy organization of whatever, that that's going to be a show starring Michelle Yeoh, which is pretty great. And then um, the OC people, are doing a, a Starfleet Academy show, um, so that's pretty great. And then um, uh, Nicholas Meyer has written a con miniseries where you get to see what he was doing in between the original series and Star Trek Two. So, I mean, all of these things are unique, 
But they're all awesome. Oh, oh yeah, and they're also doing um, the Troll Hunters guys are doing a uh, uh, an animated kids show for Nickelodeon. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's that's really cool. Yeah. So you know, I mean, they're doing cool stuff. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. And then, this then is gotten, something I would show to younger relatives and stuff too. Like this is a great like little gateway to to Star Trek for for kids. I think. Yeah. Like I tweeted. I, I said like. Um, uh, Ephraim and Dot is the best Star Trek anything in the past 10 years and uh, a friend of mine was like oh my four year old agrees with you <laughs> oh have, have we have we touched have we touched on that um, enough Mike where what do the these you know fans say about Ephraim and oh, Dot they're just they're just yeah. like hey no, why I, do this the, the general reaction is like oh that was fun you know, and then and then if if you want to get into the nitty gritty, it's like, well, actually, you know, this episode takes place before this one, so why did they? Oh. Why did we see that one first? And then the big one, which everyone just lost their shit over, was the fact that um, when you get to the uh, to the um, movie era it, part of the the episode, the registry number on the Enterprise is NCC one seven zero one A. And it shouldn't be. It's really obvious that it shouldn't be. That was a bonehead mistake. I, you know, no doubt they shouldn't have done that. But at the same time, come on, guys, who really cares? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's um, those hard hardcore Star Trek nerds. They sure are hardcore Star Trek nerds. <laughs> they, they definitely Usually, are. this is where I say, like, just go outside, take a walk. This is the one time where I'm not going to do that. But uh, <laughs> just realize it's not that important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and Giacchino's like, I know, we, we fucked up. I'm sorry. That one's on me, you know. But whatever. Yeah, not everything's perfect. Come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, any anything else that we should be talking about here with Star Trek 3 or... Ephraim and Dot, anything? No? Okay. Uh, I'll so be now- rewatching Ephraim and Dot a lot more because uh, I'm, I'm not like over the moon about it, but it, it is like I like to see Star Trek brunch out like this. This is really, really sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And be sure to check out Trouble with Edward. Um, yeah. I'm I'm eager to jump into those shorts, um, even though I, I was just having a talk with somebody. Well, somebody, my roommate. Who else am I going to talk to um, about Next Generation? I mean, I'm not going to dive into Next Generation anytime soon, but I'll sure, for sure, spend some time watching these short treks. And, you know, they're little, I, I'm assuming, Mike, they're just like little seven minute bursts, like that that amount of time, right? Yeah, they're like seven to 12 minutes. I mean, like some of them are, you know, very kind of like specific to Discovery and everything, but some of them are just standalone things and, you know, they're all pretty. Well, most of them are pretty decent. Some of them are kind of dumb, but but most of them are pretty decent. So yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Seems um, like an easy way to get a Star Trek fix. Yes, yes, definitely. I like them quite a bit. Um. So yeah. Okay. Next time we're going to be taking a look at Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home, and we will um be proceeding that with uh. Uh, may, what, what many consider to be the Citizen Kane of Star Trek, the city on the edge of forever. So, uh, watch that one first, and then watch watch the Voyage Home, and then and then uh, you'll be all ready for next week. So, until then, uh, Diego, where can people find you on the internet? 
You can find me on Twitter at the Diego Crespo, and uh, of course the Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon, where I'm doing uh, a longer retrospective on the works of Steven Spielberg and Adam Sandler, as well as uh, monthly shows discussing what movies have come out recently, but recently that has changed to (laughs) what movies uh, we've been watching and uh, other fun topics like that. Cool. And Marcelo, where can people find you on the internet? Talkfilmsociety.com. I mean... I mean, nowadays we don't write as much as we used to, um, for obvious reasons, because there are no more movies. But uh, I'm going to try to get some writing out. I know other writers on the site are getting stuff out. So, And then podcasts. We have plenty, plenty of podcasts coming out there. Check those out. And Patreon, patreon.com slash talkfromsociety for bonuses, commentaries. Um, I mean... Uh, I mean, go there, get the get all that exclusive stuff, and just support the website. Um, we're much appreciated, and yeah, that's it. All right, and you can find me on filmdamagepod.com doing a show called Film Damage, where we take a look at movies from the perspective of the booth and talk about film projection and all the rest of it. And you can also find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at mumbles three k. All right, guys. Well, we just heard the line in this movie, so can we do it? Is it possible? Yes. Um, yes. And and, 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 uh, Similar to what happened during Bayhem when (laughs) I I rewatched Bad Boys and the line was said there, our catchphrase, I was just as excited to hear it (laughs) uh, here in uh, Search for Spock. So, yeah, I'm ready to go. All right, let's do it. Ready? Are we doing this on the count of three? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, okay. count of three, yeah. Okay. One, two, three. I, I have had, had enough, enough of, of you. you.